Welcome to RCCG, Jesus Worship Centre, Brisbane, Queensland. A place of God's word, power and praise. Where Christ's love reigns, champions are raised, dreams come true. Listen and God bless you. Um, please, can we clap our hands as we invite Pastor Sony? Please, you can come over, sir. Thank you, sir. Please be seated. You Nigerians are a wild bunch. <laughs> What a wild bunch you really are. Seriously. We actually, we have a Nigerian man in our church. And when I told him I was speaking here today, he wanted to help me to pronounce the name of your pastor. <laughs> and after a number of attempts, I finally settled on Ake Oyamadi. <laughs> which I thought was pretty good. But he looked at me and smiled and he said, it's a good thing, it's good that you're giving it a go. <laughs> I was, well, I did my best, but I'll help you to pronounce my surname one day. <laughs> the English way is Llewellyn. I was actually born in Wales and it's unpronounceable in Welsh, it's Llewellyn. And that sound does not exist in English or in most languages of the world, so um, very difficult for people to pronounce. One of my earliest memories is when I asked my mother where my dad was and why we hardly ever saw him. And he left for, he left for work early in the morning and he returned home at night after I'd gone to bed. And my mother lied. It's hard to tell a little kid that his dad is having an affair. And so he, she said he was out looking for Christmas presents. And being so young, I never thought that it was strange that he should be out so diligently looking for Christmas presents months away from Christmas. It was years later when I was an adult that I learned the truth. So when I was almost eight years old, we migrated from Wales to Australia, to Brisbane, to get away from all of that. But my father's girlfriend followed us out. Then four years after our arrival, three weeks after my 12th birthday, my father was in a telephone box on Milton Road. He was talking to my mother when a drunk driver mounted the footpath, hit the phone box and killed my dad. His, de his death made very little difference to me between his job and his girlfriend. He wasn't around much anyway. I hardly saw him. About three years later, my mother remarried and Ray, my stepfather, was a drunken, womanizing, foul-mouthed street fighter, even to the point where he used to sew razor blades into the lapels of his collars. 
so that if somebody grabbed him, well, you can figure out what would happen. I'm telling you this because many of us did not have good fathers. And it made a big difference in our lives. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 4, verses 14 to 16. 1 Corinthians 4, verses 14 to 16. And Paul says, I'm in 2 Corinthians. <laughs> That's awesome, isn't it? I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you, because Paul was a father in the faith. I warn you, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, Yet you do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. I'm talking this morning on transformed father, transformed home. Do fathers really matter? And we live in a country right now where uh, families are breaking down in record numbers. I want you to listen to these statistics from the United States. 61% of households in America today are fatherless. 61%. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. That's five times the average. 85% of all children that exhibit behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. That's 20 times the average. 80% of rapists that are motivated with displaced anger come from fatherless homes. That's 20 times the average. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical, in chemical abuse come from fatherless homes. 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. 85% of all youth sitting in prisons grew up in a fatherless home. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. Aren't those statistics, statistics incredible? So do fathers really matter? They sure do. They really matter. Fathers have a profound effect on their children, and especially their sons. The chances of a family attending a church when a child begin is converted is 3.5%. The chances of a family attending a church if the mother is converted is 17%. And the chances of a family attending church if the father is converted, are 93%. Fathers matter. My father affected me deeply. Because of his absence, I grew up feeling insecure, I lacked confidence, and I was completely directionless. I dropped out of high school, and I became very involved with alcohol until the Lord got hold of my life. 
that made the difference. I got a new dad. Isn't that a good thing? I got a new dad. And here's what the Bible says about the effects of fathers on the next generation and beyond. In Jeremiah 32, verses 17 to 18, the prophet says, Our Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. You show loving kindness to thousands and repay the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them. See, what we are gets passed on to the next generation. In Exodus 20, verses 4 to 6, it says, You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generations. What we do and who we are as fathers gets passed on to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. And those of us who are fathers can either leave a legacy of evil or a legacy of good. And I'm going to give you two things this morning to help you to leave a legacy of good and to transform your home because I really believe that if you transform the father, you will transform the home. And the first one is this. Fathers, put up your hand if you're a father this morning. Yep. Yeah, they're wonderful. Be an example of integrity. Integrity is so important. A doctor was advising me on diet and exercise. And when he'd finished, he said, do as I say, not as I do. I thought, that's a strange thing to say, isn't it? But I could tell by his big belly (laughs) that he wasn't doing the things that he was telling me to do. Fathers, we can never be like that. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 11.1, he says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Paul didn't just talk the talk, he walked the walk. A father discovered, this is a story, a father discovered his son was doing drugs. And so he grabbed him, he threw him up against the wall and he said, you lied to me, you told me you wouldn't do drugs anymore. And just at that point, the phone rang and his wife answered. And then she said, darling, it's for you. He said, can't you see him in the middle of something? Tell them I'm not here. I wonder where his son learned to lie. We pass these things on to the next generation. You can see this principle in the Bible. Abraham lied to Abimelech about Sarah being his wife. Isaac lied to Rebecca, sorry, lied about Rebecca being his wife. Jacob lied to his father about his own identity. And the lying just kept getting passed on from generation to generation. You can teach them what you know, but you will reproduce what you are. 
That's the important thing to understand, folks. Can you see how that tendency to lie was passed down through the generations? Let me just read that passage of Scripture I read earlier again in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you to imitate me. See, a good father is worth imitating. Fathers are examples to their families. So what does it mean to be a man of integrity? Look at three things. One, be a man of humility. Gee, that's hard. I don't think I'm naturally a humble person. I remember a long time ago, my, our son was 15 years old and our refrigerator was leaking. And uh, we'd already had a repairman to come in once before, a while back, and he'd fixed it. And so I knew what to do. You get a wire and you push it up this tube at the back of the fridge and it clears it. And the, the repairman had used, <coughs> excuse me, he'd used a coat hanger. But our coat hangers were not flexible enough to be able to get around the bend at the top of the tube. So our son David decided to get a piece of string. Now how do you think that would go? Have you ever tried to make a string go upwards like this? No, I, I thought that too. Thought, and, I, and I said something I shouldn't have said. I said, David, that's a stupid idea. That'll never work. Well, the string will just flop around all over the place. And guess what? It worked. And I had to apologize. I reckon there was an angel there that just made sure that that string went up and over the top just to teach me a little bit of humility. Secondly, be a man of purity. My father and my stepfather were poor examples of sexual purity. So I was determined to be the kind of man God wanted me to be. And just as an example, I don't watch movies with sex scenes in them. By the way, guys, those sex scenes are dangerous for men in particular. They lodge in your brain and they stay there. Something you saw 20 years ago can just suddenly come back to you. And if something comes up in a movie and I'm not expecting it, I just look away. I didn't know when I started doing this that I was actually teaching my son something. And as a little boy, he copied me. Can you imagine a little six-year-old boy and something comes up on TV that I wasn't expecting and I look away and he looks away as well? It's pretty good. Fathers, teach your sons to do the same. Ladies, help your men to do that. Help your men to do that. And just so you know, the one thing that research shows that women value more than anything else in a marriage, who wants to know what that is? How many of you men want to know what that is? What's the one thing that women value in a marriage more than anything. They've researched this and they found it was this. 
It's really simple. Exclusivity. Exclusivity. She wants to know she's the only one. That's it. She wants to know she's the only one. So just a word here, men, and I'm speaking as a father in the faith. If you're into pornography on any level, talk to your pastor ASAP. Talk to him ASAP. Pornography is highly addictive and highly destructive. It will destroy your walk with God and it will make a mess of your marriage. A couple of years ago, I got an email. And I, when I read it, I went into the next room and I said to my wife, Ali, I said, oh no, I was just sort of dramatizing this. I said, oh no, I've been discovered. I just got an email from someone who says they've hacked my computer. And they said that they discovered that I was a big fan of pornography websites. And they warned me that if I wasn't to go, that I wasn't to go to the police or anything. But if I wanted their silence, I'd have to pay them 1,832 US dollars in cryptocurrency. Or else they'd send it to my Facebook con contacts. And you know what my response is to that? Go ahead, make my day. Make my day. What a blessing it is to have a clear conscience. Keep your mind clean. Be a man of purity. And if you're having trouble with this, talk to your pastor. The third thing is, deal with your anger. Many years ago, an 11-year-old boy sat at a dinner table, eating dinner with his parents and his little brother. They were discussing the cash that he'd just got from selling newspapers. The boy earned it, so he thought he should keep it. But his dad thought that it should be part of the family budget. The tension was building until his mother said, oh, let him keep it. Suddenly his dad, who was six feet tall, stood up, he grabbed the table like this, and he yanked it up and threw everything. And food and crockery, plates and cutlery went flying everywhere. I still remember that explosion very clearly when my dad stormed off. It was my father's way of dealing with anger. It's why I was so scared of him. And I want you to fast forward now 20 or so years. I was the assistant pastor of a church in Logan. We and our next door neighbors were the only families in the street that had a job. At 2 a.m., the guy across the road put his music on full blast. Again. You know what it's like? He had no job. He can sleep in all the next day. And finally, after this happening time after time again, I'd had enough. I jumped out of bed. I stormed across the street. And I went up to his fuse box. I opened it up. I yanked out all the fuses. And I walked down to the drain outside. And I threw them down the drain. Well, the lights went out. The music stopped. And I just stood there because he came tearing out of the house and he said, what are you doing? What are you doing? I said, I'm getting some peace and quiet. And then he took a swing at me. But I did martial arts. So I blocked it. I did a jab to the solar plexus. I did a chop to the neck. You know, like 
Jackie Chan, and he went down and he looked up at me, totally stunned. And I said, and the next time, it's going to be exactly the same. I did all of that in my head. Anybody else like that? Anybody else got some imaginary secret buttons on your car? For that guy that's in front of you and is determined to block your path, and you can just press these buttons and out come these little missiles. <laughs> Anybody else? Oh, good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I thought I was the only bad person here. Our imaginations matter, don't they? Because they betray the anger that's within us anyway. Guess who passed his anger on to me? Men, we need to be an example of integrity by being humble, by being pure, and by dealing with our anger in a godly way. The second thing I want to talk to you about is also very important. A great principle, one of the greatest principles of all in transforming yourself and your marriage and your family. Husbands, love your wives. Ephesians 5.25, Paul says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That sounds like sacrificial love to me. See, when Ali and I first married, like, we were damaged. Right? You can probably get this. Right? Ali's dad wasn't any better than mine. He was an alcoholic. He was an adulterer. And so she grew up damaged as well. And when we first met, we had a fight. We had a big argument. Then we got engaged. And we just kept arguing all the way through our courtship. I used to drive her to work, and one time the arguing got so bad, I kicked her out of the car. And it was her car. And then we got married. And you know how, how it is when people get married, they talk about the honeymoon period. That's like the first two years of your marriage when temporarily everything is just beautiful for the first two years. Not for us. We fought all the way through the first five years of our marriage. I think God had mercy on us. <laughs> now Ali and I have been married 44 years. And thank you. <laughs> I know you would never have thought that, would you? Ali's mum and dad were totally against our getting married, by the way. And when I went down to, to ask for permission to marry Ali, um, I sat on the front porch while Ali and her mum were inside, and I, when I asked him if I could ask uh, if I could marry Ali, he said, "Not if you were the last man alive on earth." Meanwhile, her mum was saying, "I hope Tony isn't doing anything stupid, like asking if he can marry you." So, and they said, "When your marriage breaks up in six months' time, don't come back to us." Forty-four years now. And now I find that I'm married to my best friend. I'm married to the love of my life. 
I'm married to the one I most like spending time with. Now, how did that happen? And what's that got to do with transformed families? Well, there's a saying, the best thing you can do for your children is to love their mother. There's no use thinking that your children are going to flourish when their father doesn't love their mother. So I'm going to give you a couple of important keys for this. And the first thing is, gentlemen, serve your wife. Serve your wife. Galatians 5.13, Paul says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. My wife is wired for service. Can I just take a show, get a show of hands here? Ladies, how many of you are wired to serve? Yeah? I, I find that most ladies are. Most ladies seem to be wired to serve. It's a, it's a beautiful gift. My wife is. Uh, and sometimes I, I wear glasses occasionally to watch TV. And one time I was sitting in my recliner chair and my glasses were on the cabinet about a foot one foot out of reach. And all I had to do was to get up and grab them, put them on. But just for fun, I said to Ali, who was on the other side of the room, I said, darling, uh, you know, I'm, I'm helpless here. I'm really helpless. Darling, I can't reach my glasses. Could you get them for me, please? She, with, she did not blink. She jumped to her feet, came all the way from the other side of the room and passed them to me. I looked at her and I thought, I can't believe you just did that. I thought she should have said, get it yourself, you lazy slug. <laughs> but she is so gracious. But you know, it works the other way around too. It blesses the socks off her when I serve her. A while back, Ali asked me to put some extra shelves in a cupboard, and so I did. And I was fascinated. For days afterwards, she would open the cupboard door and she would just look smiling at those shelves. I, I thought, you do know you're smiling at an inanimate object, don't you? <laughs> just smiling at it. But she was so blessed. Listen to what Jesus said, Mark 9:35. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. How many of you want a great reward in heaven? It's a good thing to want this, by the way. I do. I want the greatest reward. And sometimes I wonder if the people with the greatest rewards in heaven are going to be the women because they serve so much. And we men, you know what? I'm the king of my castle. I should be served. Is that right? <laughs> All the men said, hmm. <laughs> and the ladies are going, hmm. <laughs> Not so much. Oh, it's natural for me to want to be served. I have to work at it to serve my wife. And I think that what Jesus said, servant of all, includes my wife. Secondly, and this I found to be a powerful spiritual weapon. 
Give thanks for your wife. Give thanks for your wife. Derek Prince once said that thanksgiving is the purest form of faith, and especially when you don't feel like it. Especially when you don't feel like it. And it's true. If you give thanks for your wife regularly, you will have a breakthrough in your own attitude towards her. You know, interestingly, secular research has discovered that there's one thing that's common to long-lasting, happy marriages. Anyone interested in knowing what that is? One thing common to all long-lasting, happy marriages. And it's this. Each partner thinks more highly of the other than they do themselves. Each one thinks more highly of their partner than they do themselves. Now, let me give you a couple of examples because your brain might be tossing around trying to get around that. Ali thinks she's an okay cook. I don't. I think she's an amazing cook. I think a lot more highly of her cooking than she does. I think I'm a pretty good husband. She thinks I'm an excellent husband. She thinks... (laughs) I'll give you that 50 bucks later. (laughs) She thinks more highly of me than I do. And I think more highly of her than she does. That's the one thing. And you want to know how to develop that? Constantly give thanks for your husband, for your wife, for the positive things in positive qualities in their lives. Give thanks every single day. Thank God for their good qualities because it's so easy to focus on the bad qualities, isn't it? Does your mind go to those? You wake up in the morning, you know, talk about bad mood. You know, I find if you don't cut that off quickly, that continues for the rest of the day. Be generous. Thirdly, be generous to your wife. Be generous. Be generous with your smiles. Be generous with your affection. Be generous with your money. Be generous with your compliments. Isn't it sad that husbands and wives often have plenty of smiles and compliments for everybody except the ones they're supposed to love the most? I find that really, really sad that people are like that. Thank her for her cooking. I don't know about you, but every single meal that my wife cooks, I say thank you. That was delicious. Thank you. That was a great meal. Thank you. I really enjoyed that. Every single time. I don't care if it's a piece of toast. I say thank you. Thank you. Right? Be thankful for what she does. Thank her for her serving. You will reap what you sow. Tell her, she, that, tell her that you love her. How many of you ladies like to hear your husbands tell you that you love, they love you? Yes? That's right, the pastor's wife is first. Put her hand up there. I hope hope you're taking note of these. (laughs) I was watching this morning too. I just 
I was hoping that somebody afterwards would show me how to do what you guys do. Even when you're walking up to the stage, You can't help yourselves, can you? As soon as you hear music, it's, it's like this. Right? I want to learn how to do that. <laughs> I think I've got to get the music into me more. It's got to be affecting me a different way. Your wives love it. They want to hear it. Sometimes I corner my wife. That's right. She opens the pantry doors, and I'm standing. She's looking in there, and I'm standing right behind her. So she turns around, and, and, and there I am. And I'm saying... Now I'm going to have to discipline you. You're the most beautiful wife on the planet. Let that be a lesson to you. Now I'm, I'm, I'm teaching her something there. I wanted to know this. I wanted to know constantly that I love her. I want to give her hugs all the time. I want to know that I care about her. Your wife needs us. A man once went to a counselor for advice and his, because his marriage was really, really bad, and he wanted out. But he wanted advice on how he could hurt his wife as much as possible before he left her. Well, the counsellor, he had to think for a while, and then he said, ah, I've got an idea. This is the way to really hurt her. For the next three months, Treat her like a princess. Love her. Bring her flowers. Buy her gifts. Take her out to dinner. Do some of the housework. Treat her like she is the most wonderful, most beautiful, most extraordinary woman in the world. Then suddenly, leave. That'll really kill her. A few months later, the counselor was walking down the street and he saw the man. So he said, how's the bachelor's life? He said, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, how did it go when you dumped your wife? He said, you've got to be kidding. I'm married to the most wonderful, the most beautiful, the most extraordinary woman in the world. See, transformed father, transformed home. When we change those around us change too. When we become more like Jesus, other people are impacted by who we are and what we do and how we do it. They're impacted by our gentleness because, you know what I find as a man? The hardest thing in the world to be is gentle. It really is. Do you find that at all? Yeah, it's hard. I pray this prayer every single day. Lord, help me to be gentle and kind, especially to my wife. Especially to my wife. She deserves it more than anybody. She deserves to receive my gentleness and my kindness. I would like to pray for you today, because I feel that God is doing something in this church. I sense that he has a plan for this church. A sense that he is here to do good things. He has a good future for this church. And this church can have a greater impact than just the Nigerian community. I sense that God can do something great through you today. If you have yielded hearts, yielded lives. And men, 
Maybe today you're struggling with some of these things. Maybe anger is a challenge, as it was for me for many, many years. Maybe you're struggling with impure thoughts or pornography. Or maybe you're not struggling at all, but you have a heart for God and you want to be the best father, the best husband that you can possibly be. If that sounds like you, why don't you stand up this morning? If you just want to be the best father, the best husband you can be, stand up. Just stand up where you are. Because I want to pray for you that God's blessing will rest upon you. Lord, I just thank you for these beautiful people today. Lord, I pray for your blessing upon them. I pray for these men of God, Lord, that you will give them breakthrough in the things that they are battling with. I pray, Lord, that you will give them increased fruitfulness, Lord. I pray, Lord, that there will be growth in their lives. And I pray, Lord, that in their families that there will be breakthrough, Lord, for those who have children that are wayward, that you will bring them back, Lord. Bring them back into the kingdom, Lord. Bring them to you, we pray. Lord, I pray that the characterization of their families, their marriages and their families will be love and joy and peace, Lord. Let love reign supreme in their marriages. Let love reign supreme in their families. Lord, let the love of God just move in their families and out beyond their families in to those around them, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Please be seated. There are others that I'd like to pray for this morning. And I'm thinking, are there any single mothers here today? Are there any single mothers? There are no single mothers here? You are very blessed. You are very blessed to have no fatherless homes. Well, Lord, we just thank you that you are moving by your Holy Spirit in this church. And Lord, we pray for your constant blessing here in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Pastor Apeh, Oyamadi. Have you been impacted by this message? Please share your experience with the pastor of the church, either via email, info at rccgjesusworshipcenter.org.au or please call plus 614